We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. This is America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You work for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, done a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. The nation. This is America. With your host, Rich Valdez. What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, your liberty-loving Latino amigo. Happy to be here, 17 blocks away from Madison Square Garden. And I want to get into a conversation on human trafficking. There's a lot of headlines out there on human trafficking, not enough conversation. And later on, we're going to get with Andy Berger. She's a survivor of human trafficking. But first, the border is out of control. The Democrats seem to continually turn a blind eye. It's almost like it's completely partisan, like there isn't a Democrat other than Henry Cuellar that can look at the border and say, oh, my gosh, this is a disaster. But that's what's going on there. And the big problem here is the trafficking, right? The fentanyl, the fact that it's not just the illegal immigration. People aren't as cruel as you think. People want to help people. This is really about children coming in, unaccompanied minors coming in with parents that they say are their parents. They're not really their parents. And that's why you have this family separation issue. So we're going to get into that with somebody who was on the front lines. And and you may have heard our conversation in the past, but I think it, it bears repeating because this is a very important conversation. Now, on the term of, or the topic, I should say, of human trafficking, listen to this. Andrew Tate, the social media influencer, former uh, kickboxing champion. Well, several months ago, he was arrested uh, on what I thought were charges of uh, sexual assault and human trafficking in Romania. Well, apparently, he's finally been indicted. They held him all those months. He finally made bail, like two weeks ago, did a couple of podcast interviews, and boom, he's back, right? They got him again, uh, according to a statement from local prosecutors uh, just um, the day before yesterday. They took Mr. Tate into custody again. Uh, Again, they had him in custody in December. Now he's being officially accused of rape and human trafficking and the creation of an organized crime group. His brother, Tristan, as well as two Romanian women are facing similar charges. Now, a spokesperson for the Tate brothers expressed their determination to prove their innocence and restore their reputation. And hey, good for them. I hope they have their day in court. But this is a, it's a tough gig for them, right? This is really horrible. I would hate to be in their position. During the past six months, all of them have been in police custody, initially in jail and later under house arrest while awaiting the formal uh, filing of the charges against them. So the prosecutors made the following statement. In the case, it was noted at the beginning of 2021, the four defendants uh, constituted an organized criminal group in order to commit the crime of human trafficking on the territory of Romania, but also in other countries such as the United States and Great Britain. The injured persons were recruited by the foreign nationals by misleading them about the intention to establish a marriage or cohabitation relationship and the existence of real feelings of love, 
the Loverboy method. They were later transported and housed in buildings in Ilfov County, whereby exercising acts of physical violence and mental coercion through intimidation, constant surveillance, control, uh, and invoking uh, alleged debt that they were sexually exploited by group members by forcing them to perform demonstrations that were pornographic in nature so in order to produce and disseminate uh, the, the same through social media platforms and other materials having uh, such character. The seven injured persons identified during the criminal investigation were subjected to forced labor. And the indictment goes on. There's a whole string of things here, but I think you've heard enough. We know what the government is charging them with. What I haven't heard is anything from Andrew Tate. And I would love to hear his side of the story. And, you know, in, in, a, in America, you, you should have your day in court. You should also be able to, you know, clear your name. So, again, and I'm not saying I think he's innocent or guilty. I really don't know. I just think, you know, when, you, when you're making a lot of money and you're, you're successful, you tend to start to get a lot of enemies. And it's just unfortunate the way people target people that way. But nonetheless, that's the case. Andrew Tate, locked up with his brother. Now, there's also an interesting story out of Miami. Listen to this. The victim in a human trafficking case against a Miami Beach doctor. It's two weeks before their trial. The victim just turned up dead. This happened in El Portal, Florida, where uh, Little River crosses Northeast 2nd Avenue. Um, trying to get real local flavor here. Local 10 News is reporting this. There was a, a body that belonged to a teen known as J.S., who accused a prominent Miami Beach doctor of filling her with drugs and paying her for sex. Dr. Jeffrey Camlet was set to go on trial July 3rd. Camlet, 68 years old, nationally recognized for his pain relief um, practice, and he's an addiction specialist. He remains licensed in Florida, but was accused of meeting the girl when she was only 17 and he met her on Tinder giving her cocaine and having sex with her for several hundred dollars. Oh, boy. Now, this goes on. So they uh, issued an arrest warrant for the guy, and they're suggesting that J.S., the, the now uh, deceased victim, uh, and another underage friend could live with the doctor if she followed the rules. Uh, the uh, warrant continued that Dr. Camlet told J.S. that if her pimp continued to harass him, he would have a couple of his guys take care of her pimp. Now, the cause of death and circumstances surrounding how J.S. came to be found in Little River are still under investigation. And th this is just a bizarre story. Uh, again, bad things happen all the time. But it's not every day that you hear that the, the victim in a case uh, goes missing. Usually it's like a, a witness in the case, but here it's the victim. Again, if the victim was the star witness, then that makes a lot of sense. Uh, but I, I just don't see this doctor walking away from this. You know, the, the cops aren't that, that um, inept, right? They know what they're doing. And when you set these things up this way, they're going to come for you. And they're going to get you, especially if they think you're a predator, because typically predators can't help but prey. They prey on the weak. So they'll just keep setting up traps for this person, Dr. Kimlet, until he takes the bait, unless, in fact, he's not guilty. And again, that's a possibility. But human trafficking remains a big issue. Now, a couple of weeks ago, they, the um, Biden administration put out their annual report on human trafficking, saying that it's up 
and the numbers were up. The number for uh, trafficked boys was higher than for girls. Uh, a lot of eye-opening information coming from from this um, report. And we had some um, some audio from it last week. I don't know if you remember it, but it, it was just interesting to see how these numbers don't seem to be getting better. And people talk about this. It's very taboo when you're on Instagram, Facebook, whatever. And nobody wants to really address it head on. But I think if we don't address it head on, what are we doing? Right? We're wasting our time. So that's why I want to bring in Andy Berger and re replay this conversation that I had with her. Keep it locked right here. More to come straight ahead. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. America starts the day with America in the morning. Pending home sales numbers, they tanked in April, but there Hi, are Hi, I'm John Trout, your host for the latest news, politics, entertainment, business, and weather. The octane action in the dust, a new film puts... Our staff of correspondents provide a fast-paced look at the world with specialized reports from where news happens. It's a bird, it's a plane, it's Amazon. Concise, accurate, and fresh each day. America in the Morning, the podcast, available wherever you listen. This is America. He's making podcasting great again. This is America with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. And human trafficking, a very important topic. I want to talk about that today. Andy Berger is a survivor of human trafficking. Check out her website, VoicesAgainstTrafficking.com. Andy Berger, welcome to the program. And let's start with telling us what this experience was like. Absolutely, Rich. Thank you for that. And you're so, you're very right. You're right on the mark. Uh, for your listeners, yes, I am a survivor. From ages six months to 17 years old, I was trafficked by immediate and some extended family members wow. before there ever was a term called human trafficking. And familial trafficking is even harder to get reporting from victims and even harder to uh, rescue victims. Uh, a lot of times it goes on for generations. So uh, basically in the early 60s and 70s, uh, there wasn't, people weren't even talking about child abuse. You know, as a kid, you didn't hear about that and adults just swept things under the rug. But by the age of five, the uh, abuse, torture, all that stuff was so intense uh, my birth mother said she could take me out any time, and I thought I would beat her to the punch. So that was my first attempt at suicide. Wow. Well, let's walk went, through that, because I want the listeners to really understand the sure. the severity of this. So you were living with your family, with your birth mother, and you tried yes. to kill yourself because they were trying to traffic you? Well, they they were uh, sexually violating and and uh, physically, mentally, emotionally abusing me, beating me constantly, and my birth brother. And so they, uh, I was locked up for months at a time, not allowed to go out, you know, anywhere, and things like that. Plus, uh, I had a speech impediment, so I was constantly being called stupid and retarded, things like that. So that whole thing, but uh, basically, she said I was the problem. If I wasn't there, everything would be better. But basically, my birth mother was the uh, sexual predator and orchestrator of everything evil in our family unit. 
and my birth father, brother, and other people just went along with it. So again, you know, there wasn't any talk about that kind of stuff in those days. So uh, if Mm -hmm. I went to an uncle's house or the uncle came over and we ended up in a room together, right? Um, That's, they allowed it. Uh, So they, and and she would lock uh, me up uh, apparently as a child. Now, much later, people started talking to me about it. Well, we thought something was wrong, but we didn't want to say anything. You know, we didn't want to get anyone in trouble. (laughs) So at five, I was beaten up so badly and I was touched and all of that stuff. I just wanted out because I thought being dead, at least no one could touch me anymore. I wouldn't have to be in that house. And this happened as young as five years old. Well, that's when I wanted to kill myself, yes. But after therapy and a lot of work, you know, they realized that it actually started at six months old, the violations. And this is what's hard for people to understand. Yeah, well, it's it's very difficult to swallow this because it's you just think, who, who could do such a thing? How could such a thing happen? And when, you know, in speaking to you, I have to give you some credit because obviously it's got to be difficult to speak about this, but you do it so eloquently and with such vigor and with such um, confidence and strength and kudos to you. But uh, I think it's important for people to realize that you, you realize these things and you remember these things and you were a little kid, a little girl. And now you're, you know, when did things start to change for you? If you were five years old wishing you were dead because of the abuse you were going through, how did, how did you see light at the end of the tunnel? Well, on that particular day when I was waiting to jump in front of a car that never came down our normally busy street, you know, I looked into the sky and I just thought, you know, who made this? Is it something bigger or greater? And in my life, you know, I heard God's voice in my heart saying, this is not the plan I have for you. Suicide is not the answer. For other people, it could be something else. But for me, somehow I thought, okay, well, if you keep me alive, I'll do whatever you call me to do. But again, I was five. And fast forward through a couple more attempts because things got worse, uh, and my birth brother was not helpful uh, at the age of 17. That was the last time my birth mother tried to kill me by trying to choke me to death. So it was brutal and violent. How, How did you get away from your birth mother? Well... After I was at, so 17, I tried to run, and I realized I have no money, I have no car, there are no family members that even knew what was going on. We were constantly kept from people, you know, every few years we'd move or something would change, and so I had nowhere to go, and I felt like I failed. I couldn't even kill myself, I couldn't run away, Uh, but I did manage to get to college, and that was when I first started realizing how other people lived, you know, how quote-unquote normal people lived, how... Uh, you know, other families operated. Uh, I finished quickly. I, I did four years and three years. I just wanted to get on with my life because how could I possibly tell people, you know, the ones that are supposed to love you, protect you and nurture you were the very ones that were, had destroyed my innocence and my confidence, all of the negative self-talk. I just wanted to have a life, but I didn't really know how to have it. So I became the hardest worker, you know, in first, out last, I did everything I could to get affirmation and accolades from education and work. And ultimately, you were able to get away by going with other family, or was it calling the cops? Like, how did you get away from that situation? Well, again, in the, let's see, so the early 70s, by that time when I was 17, there wasn't anywhere to go that the police would not have as a minor uh, probably listened to me. They would have sent me back 
And so what, how I got away besides going to college was I had other friends that I would go to their homes. I would see how they live, but my birth mother was still threatening me. And so, so, uh, my, so you actually my, never my, got away. You just went to college. So I never got away until I went to law school. And when I went to law school and started living on my own, she was still in the area, but she couldn't touch me. And I would get letters saying, I'll destroy you. And, you know, I'll take everything you have, which, you know, I'm a broke law student. <laughs> what are you going to get from me? Right? right. But, but that was her, that was her thing. Uh, he, Cause I started speaking about what had happened to me and she had heard about it. All right, Andy Berger, let's pause right there. We're going to take a quick pause. We're coming right back. Folks, we're on with Andy Berger. VoicesAgainstTrafficking.com. We're coming right back. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. Are you into weird, spooky, and strange history? Horrifying History tells you about the side of history that people don't normally talk about. We tell the tales of haunted places, infamous true crimes, unsolved mysteries, the paranormal, and then we look to history to see where the truth actually lies. Want to get spooky with us? Horrifying History, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. The 45th President, Donald Trump, thinks it's an honor to speak with Rich Valdez. Oh, very good. It's an honor. Thanks, Rich. The honor is all yours. Conservative Talk with a dash of sofrito. Now, here's Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Our guest is Andy Berger from VoicesAgainstTrafficking.com. And Andy Berger, tell us what it was like uh, when your mom reached back out to you. Yes, absolutely. So part of going to law school was a desire to save other kids uh, like who, who had been hurt like I was uh, from being uh, lost in the system or hurt even further. But I realized in law school that it wasn't really the justice I was looking for. At that time, you know, I saw judges sending kids back to the abusing parents because, well, every kid belongs with the mother or, or that's right. just a misunderstanding, right? And so that culture was every kid belongs with the parents, even if the parents are the problem. And as a minor, kids had no say whatsoever in the court system. And even today, we still have trouble listening to younger people, uh, you know, 14, 15. We have national cases that, you know, we could talk about too, but where the victims were not listened to. And so uh, after I got through law school, I went back to business. I thought, you know what, I'm going to go back to business and I'll find another way to help kids who are like me so that they don't have to suffer because a victim lives with the trauma their entire life. Even like me, if I get healing like I did through therapy, counseling, other things, you know, faith, support systems, you always are affected by what someone has done to you, especially with sexual violations and exploitation. You never live, you never live past that. You can't go back to innocence. Yeah, that's really unfortunate, Andy Berger. Really is. I mean, I hear it and it's heartbreaking. So how do you, um, I mean, how did you move forward? How did you cope being that, you know, it doesn't go away? How do you manage on the day to day? Well, what I did was I created a new normal, Rich, and that's when I encourage people, a lot of the kids that my husband and I have rescued, you know, we, we encourage them, you know, to keep moving, don't buy the lives that you can't be better, that you can't have a life that could make you happy, that you can't be successful, all those things. So 
I had a primal desire to win, as in, if I'm successful, if I live, then I win. And if I give up or take my life or do any of that, then the evil people win. So it was kind of primal in the beginning. But once I got some success and I finished law school, I was back in business and I realized that Mm -hmm. I could probably do something in life. And it was on me now. You know, I had to decide every day to be the kind of person I wanted to be. And that's what happened. Now, relationships were a struggle. I I married an abuser, big shocker, right? But I didn't know it at the time. Yeah. So unfortunately, you know, first marriage ended. But uh, then a couple years after, uh, I did marry the most amazing human I've ever known. And and two things really stuck with me. He said, you know, yeah, he said, you know, I will always be there for you. I will never leave. And I'll always listen, even though I don't understand everything that happened to you. But I'll always be there. And that was so impacting because to know you have somebody, anybody in your support system, uh, that's a big deal to someone who's been hurt like I was. I could imagine. Uh, Just having that unconditional support uh, makes a huge difference in in anybody's life, let alone someone who's been through um, the the type of abuse that you'd gone through. Uh, Again, America, our guest is Andy Berger. She's the head of Voices Against Trafficking, VoicesAgainstTrafficking.com, a survivor of human trafficking, an attorney and an advocate uh, against what's going on against trafficking. And Andy Berger, so fast forward to where we are today and... Uh, you're doing work with your organization and you're observing what's going on in the news. And there's this uh, story right before I brought you on. I was talking about the um, the Eric Johnson case, former NFL player who, who is among eight arrested on human trafficking charges, part of a gang called the Lotto Gang. Um, this is more common than I think we think. Is that right? Absolutely. Uh, Just so the listeners know, in the U.S. alone, every 40 seconds, a child 18 years or younger is abducted. That means they're taken, they're lured into something that they think is safe. And it's not just kids, it's teenagers, college kids, uh, you know, young women. And so this is this goes on at all levels, higher levels, lower levels, however you want to call that. But every community has this, whether we want to acknowledge the elephant in the room or not because you can't have victims without predators. And this lotto case is, is a great example. The gangs are using uh, their girlfriends or women. Uh, they're coercing them into sexual activities that they don't want to do. They're using violence and manipulation like they did in my case, you know, with family members. So it's, it's a way to control their product. And so the fact that they were even found out and arrested is huge. That's very rare. But again, people need to know that the average predator doesn't just look like the people in the movies. They, could, they look like a librarian or a dentist or, you know, a school teacher. And, you know, we have such an uptick rich. Uh, it's an epidemic. You know, human poaching is an epidemic in this country. So you're saying the um, our idea that when you're walking down the street and you see some weirdo and you get this gut feeling, you're like, this might be one of those human trafficking weirdos. That's not very accurate. You're saying they come in all shapes, sizes, and walks of life. Absolutely. Because the money and the greed, usually trafficking is is fueled by greed or perversion, but we hear mostly about the greed because the it's a $160 billion global enterprise. And in the States, we're talking maybe, you know, 42 
of that number. But sexual tra- sex trafficking is the majority of that. Because if you think about it, a gang can say, hey, you know, come on over. I'm going to have some friends over for a party. They tell their girlfriend. The, the girlfriend's like, yeah, you know, great. I'm, I'm going to be popular. My guy's inviting me to some kind of shindig. And then he ends up selling her 20, 24 times that night. He makes a lot of money doing that. And she's not going to run home and say, hey, guess what happened to me last night? So right, her boyfriend becomes not, a pimp and she becomes ashamed. Exactly. And so each victim does get, you know, most victims average a sale of 20 to 25 times a day. The average victim, if they're lucky, has a seven-year lifespan. And usually only one out of every 100 victims is rescued or escapes. But then... Also in news headlines over the years, we see that some of the victims who managed to kill their predator actually get put in jail for murder. Wow. How crazy That's is that? That's crazy. That's insane. They should be awarded and applauded. Absolutely. I mean, they have suffered to a degree that no one can ever understand. And it's just like with uh, prostitution. I actually had a district attorney in my area say, oh, well, if they're 18 and older and they're a prostitute, they, they chose that. Now, you mentioned you had children. I don't know that they're growing up saying, gee, I'd like to be a prostitute, you know, when I grow no, they're up. Not. <laughs> no, they're not. No, they're not. But yet the, the 89% of prostitutes would not do that, but they were recruited as minors, very young, right. and they become kind of forced into that's it. their life. Yeah, when I was Absolutely. a kid, the, the thought was always, "Oh, those are runaways," and because you know they wanted to get away from home, they ended up living on the street, and that's how they survived. So that's why they chose that lifestyle, and, and I'm sure there was some truth to that. But I think there's a lot more to it when. Um, when you look at how prostitution has expanded and it works today where it's a lot more organized, it's legitimately like organized crime and there are people from all over the world. I actually once went to a church and the guest speaker was a guy from, I don't know, some South American country, maybe Ecuador. And he mentioned how he would, he wanted to be in, um, I think it was fashion modeling or something like that. And they said, Oh, we can, we can get you into Italy and we'll, you know, whatever. They sold him some smoke and he, he bought into it. Uh, he got a visa. He went with them. They held on to his passport and then they um, they made him work as a waiter, but he wasn't really a waiter. He was just pretending to be a waiter. And then he started turning male tricks and they kind of forced him to do it because they said, we got your passport. And if you don't do what we tell you to do, we're going to kill your family back home. And Absolutely. this guy w- was being held as a hostage and having you know, gay sex with people in Italy. That's where he ended up, um, Ecuadorian guy, for for a number of years until, I guess, he worked off his dad and they finally gave him his passport back and said, you can go. But by that point, his own words, he was all screwed up. Didn't know if he was coming or going, had all sorts of trauma and pain. And it was a horrible story to hear. I mean, he finally found, you know, Jesus and, and got very involved in his local church and became an evangelist. And, and, and that was the, his path out and his healing. But it was a remarkable story. And, and I heard that. I think, you know, you, you tend to think this is, you know, few and far between. It's a one-off. But it seems like they're not that one-off. It happens a lot more than we think. It does happen a lot more than we think. And honestly, if we didn't have demand, there wouldn't be a need for supply, right? So even in America, uh, a couple of years back, I think it was USA Today had uh, a study from Rutgers, and it basically said that they had tracked 25 
uh, or rather two and a half million Americans who actively sought out to have sexual relations with children and paid for it. That's okay, horrible. So, I remember a few years back, they had passed a law saying if you went on one of these vacations to like Thailand or one of these other countries that allow that, and uh, you got caught doing it and they knew you were going there for the sake of having sex, that they would charge you with like some sort of um, rape charge in the United States. I don't know how effective that enforcement is, but I thought it was a good idea to have that kind of law. Well, we are woefully lacking in enforcement because technically right now there are laws on the books, but if we don't enforce them or there's corruption in any of that process of actually arresting and then keeping a predator in mm-hmm. jail or isolated, uh, because the only there are only two things a victim wants uh, regarding a predator, that they're either locked up for life with no chance of escape, no early release, or they're dead. They don't care which one. They just don't want that person ever to be in their life. And so you live with that constant thought. For me, my last predator, my birth mother didn't die until she was 91 years old. And I'm 60. So so it was all, you know, it's a long time. There's an old saying, and the saying is, the good die young. They don't say anything about the bad. All right, folks, we're on with Andy Berger, and we're coming right back with her to wrap this thing up. Don't go anywhere. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. He's brown, he's bald, and he's breaking it down. Oh, he's so handsome. What's his name? Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. We're on with Andy Berger discussing human trafficking. And Andy Berger, you know, one of the most um, prolific Uh, and infamous human traffickers out there was Jeffrey Epstein. And uh, I'm wondering, do you think we ever really see justice of who was in the black book? Your thoughts? Well, that is a good question. And honestly, I believe that that book is, it has been used for leverage in some way. It, it definitely should be publicized. It is definitely valid to, to um, do that with the case that has been brought against Epstein before he died, of course, and Maxwell. But here's the thing. Anyone who participated in that is as culpable as the actual predators, even if if they were lured there, but they thought, okay, well, this could be kind of weird, but fine, I'll do it anyways, right? So that doesn't excuse you from participating in something that's illegal and that is vicious and horrific as human trafficking. So every name in that book is as culpable in Andy's version, in Andy's belief. But the other part of it is, too, there was a mother of one of the quote-unquote captains in Epstein's uh, little regime, and she said, well, my daughter shouldn't be prosecuted because she was only the third captain. And that's, that's how we have problems because, well, she wasn't as bad as the other people. But, yes, every single person involved, the book should be made public. There's no reason not to unless there are strings being pulled for financial or, or political in, uh, reasons, which is most likely the case. So I yeah. hope it does get exposed. But again, who's going to go after them? Right. I could see, uh, I mean, it's indicating here there's 167 names on there, and we don't know um, very many of them. And, and you're right. These are Typically, uh, at least the ones we are suspected of knowing, the ones we know, like Prince uh, Andrew and and others, these are very successful, very um, powerful people where they're doing everything they can, I'm guessing, to pull every string they can to make sure that their their proclivities for, you know, young girls or whatever it was they were getting from Epstein, which is, I think, what he mainly trafficked in, uh, remains a secret. 
Absolutely. And, and who knows to what extent they'll go to keep their secrets, to protect their families, and to, uh, again, manipulate the system. And if it was you or myself or somebody else, we probably would end up in jail. But at certain levels, there's And live coverage. while we're in jail. And, right? Yeah, live while we're in jail. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's true. But, you know, here's the thing. Somebody always knows when a child's being abused. Somebody always knows when something is going on. It's whether they have the courage to speak out or to speak up, which is one of the things that we do with Voices Against Trafficking is trying to provide tools and ways for people to report or to, if you see something, say something because I would have done, I, I would have had a different life if somebody would have been looking for me or somebody had heard the screams or the cries, right? And, mm. you know, I am good now, but think of all of the missing children, all of the missing innocents out there who are still being tortured, still being hurt, being sold for organ, you know, organ uh, harvesting, things like mm -hmm. that. People don't like to hear it because it's uncomfortable. But what we do is we provide truth and hope. Because this is what we have to do as a, a national community. We have to rally. Our children are not valued. They're commodities. They're not uh, the future anymore of our Andy, country mm -hmm. the way they used to be. And Andy Berger, tell us a little bit about your organization, VoicesAgainstTrafficking.com. Absolutely. We promote greater public awareness through national and international educational tools, handbooks. We have books on Amazon.com billboards in Times Square, you know, on New Year's Eve, things like that, situational awareness curriculum that we're trying to get into the schools and into homes across the country. Uh, we do a lot of public service announcements. We're engaged in some live active rescues, but the Voices of Courage magazine and later the Voices of Courage television show this year is all about wow. continuing to, yes, to give the general public more information, truth and hope in this situation, and also tips on how to prevent it. Our website, as you mentioned voicesagainsttrafficking.com. There are helplines and hotlines everyone should have on their phone. And then the Voices of Courage magazine, you know, all of this is um, being done. Uh, it celebrates the everyday heroes that are selflessly fighting to protect human rights and to protect victims and get what they need. So at the end of the day, we're dedicated to eradicating human bondage, sexual slavery, and the violation of Every human's right. An amazing story from you, Andy Berger. Thank you so much for being with us. I appreciate your courage. And this is why I always tell everybody, you got to stand for something. Because if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. And the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people like you to sit there and do nothing. So stand up and be brave. Do what you got to do because America needs you now more than she's ever needed you before. Hasta la próxima. Until the next time, I am Rich Valdez, and this is America. This is America. Hey guys, welcome to the Candy Valentino Show. I'm Candy Valentino. I was a founder before I could legally order a drink. And for more than two and a half decades, I've built, scaled, acquired, and exited multiple businesses in diverse industries. Now my goal is to help you by sharing the knowledge that I've learned, the mistakes that I've made, and the wisdom that I've developed over my journey. Bi-weekly episodes every Monday and Thursday. The Candy Valentino Show, wherever you listen.